Hey, you're listening to Not Having It All, a film and TV podcast with some lifestyle thrown in for good measure. I'm your host, Karis Rianne, and this week I'm joined by my regular partner in crime, Neha Varaz, and Eleanor Addis Ring returns to the show. Now, with everything going on, there's no new film news and no new releases to talk about, but we'll be keeping you positive and uplifted, as our topic of the week is Nicole Kidman. We'll be covering everything from her early days with Days of Thunder, to her questionable choices like The Stepford Wives and Bewitched, all the way to modern times with Big Little Lies, Destroyer, and even Aquaman. So stick on those headphones, increase that volume, and get ready to add more into their ever-growing watch list. Hello, guys. How is self-isolation? It's fun. It's it's happening. So don't worry, we're not going to give you a uh, podcast episode talking about viruses and self-isolation. Um, we are maintaining our podcast to be a healthy, welcome distraction from the world in general, maybe even more now than ever. And um, we're going to talk about films. Um, now, obviously, there's not much coming out um as many films have been released so we can't really do a upcoming releases and to do a top 10 feels a little bit redundant at the moment so we are going to be skipping them this week um and maybe for a few more weeks um and we're just gonna dive straight and obviously there's no new film news either unless you're so, counting um, all the productions that get shut down <laughs> yeah in indeed um so we're just gonna deep dive straight into our topic which means we've got more time to talk which is always fun always yeah it? love to talk and all all three of us can talk for England so <laughs> it's great but obviously I have to tell you who is here so Neha is here as usual my usual partner in crime we're also joined by Eleanor Alice Ring who has been on the podcast before a long time ago I think the last time I was on was was it like the end of year sort of roundup talking oh about it was a while back or was it, it wasn't this yeah. like it must have been 2018 or something 2018 gosh oh god yeah different world back then different world well welcome back <laughs> thank you so we are going to be looking we did a bit of a twitter poll about who we should do kind of like a fact file on because everyone loved the tom hanks episode which was really nice and obviously now more than ever we love, we love tom him hanks. so much <laughs> my dad Every time I try and digress from it, I end up coming back to it <laughs> with, like, comments. No, that was the last time. It was necessary. It was. It was. A big love to Tom and to Rita as well. Um, but, we're, yeah, we're going to talk about Nicole Kidman, uh, who's just, well, after researching for this episode, she seems to have done everything, absolutely everything. Um, yes, and you guys chose her. So we're going to deep dive. We're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to go through the decades, and we're going to talk about some of our favourite performances, some of our questionable performances um some of the good films some of the not so good films um yeah and have just a little bit of exploration to her amazing career because she really does have one i mean what do you guys think are you guys big fans i feel like i wasn't a big fan until about 10 years ago no i agree i think i i mean i never disliked her but it isn't until recently that i'm like hey she's really cool <laughs> i i I don't think I've ever like actively disliked her, but I'd say yeah. I feel like she keeps making very interesting choices, and she's very versatile. And I like the fact that she keeps like picking challenging roles. And I think that's kind of probably why more recently I have been like, yeah, God, she is actually great. And I have I really should have like been paying attention a bit more. Um, I'm definitely not one of those people though who thought for a period she was just Tom Cruise's ex-wife. So that's something. 
I, when she was married to Tom Cruise, I definitely saw her as Tom Cruise's mm. wife. But when they broke up, I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's Nicole Kidman. But to be honest, I mean, they broke, they got divorced about 2001, so I was 10 at the time. So I didn't really, she wasn't really in any films that was like marketed to me. Probably except from the Stepford Wives. Maybe that's why I loved it so much. <laughs> but then it wasn't until like I was like like 17, 18, where like films like Stoker and um, Before I Go to Sleep and like those kind of dramas came out where I was like, okay, she's cool. Mm. I like this. So yeah. Let's go back then. So um, her breakthrough like international film was Dead Calm, which is an Australian film with Sam Neill, which we haven't seen. Uh, But this kind of took her to international fame, um, which led to Days of Thunder, which is the film with Tom Cruise. Um, They didn't meet on this film, did they? They, I think they were like already dating. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Hmm. I think, yeah. I remember remember this was like the thing that like kind of cemented them as like the sort of like Hollywood golden couple. They were, yeah. Because, like, it's strange with Hollywood couples now because they don't do a lot of films together. Mm. Like, I think, like, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, like, that's the first project they've done together after, like, what, eight years together or something? Mm. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was much more normal in Hollywood, though, to, like, like, that was a big part of the image is that they'd get these couples to be together. I mean, like, you know, you think about Burton and, like, Taylor and mm. they just like they they did so much work together as well as you know being obviously having that very like tumultuous private life <laughs> i miss the essence of hollywood though i like when you get that kind of couple like like golden couple yeah. kind of style we don't really we don't really have a lot of that now do we i mean it, i think television you do a little bit because you always get like the guest starring on t- each other's tv shows and stuff don't you i mean a bit like brad brad pitt and jennifer anderson like when he guest starred on friends and david arquette guest starred on friends and things like that but with films i don't know i can't think of anything recent where this would be like a golden no. couple apart from probably emily blunt and john yeah. krasinski i know do you yeah. carry russell and uh, matthew reese count or not because they started dating through the americans right I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so because it's a TV show. But I think in TV, it's probably yeah. easier to fall in love because you're kind of like. Although it's heavy because I remember when, like with True Blood, is it um, Sarah Panquin and Anna, um, Anna Panquin? <laughs> Anna Panquin. I always do this. Why do I always call her Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> Was it? Is it Stephen Moyer? Yeah, Stephen Moyer. Yeah. yeah. I remember when they were talking about their relationship, and he was like we signed a contract for eight years. So getting in a relationship with someone, you know, it's heavy. Risky I mean, business. Yeah. Because you look at, like, One Tree Hill with, like, Sophia Bush and Chad Michael mm-hmm. Murray, I think they completely switched the storyline. I don't think that Peyton and Lucas were meant to end up together. <laughs> well, actually, as well, now, a really awkward example of this would be uh, Penn Badgley yeah. and Blake Lively. Yeah. And they had to get, like... Did they get married at the end they of the Gossip did, Girl? Yeah. They did, married. Yeah. And they... <laughs> And you can just see the discomfort on Penn Badgley's face in that finale. It's fantastic because he's just not having fun no, with it. he's checked out. One of my... F- yeah, he's so checked out. One of my favourite things about the end of Gossip Girl was when they interviewed Penn Badgley and they were like, what are you going to miss about being on the show? And he was like, the lighting in my dressing room is quite yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> and I've loved him from then until ever and the fact that he's kind of done this resurgence with you I think is so well received but yeah I agree that was kind of TV show couples it's there's a lot more bad instances than good mm. isn't there well it's a tricky thing to do oh actually a nice a nice example would be it's always sunny with Caitlin oh, uh, yeah. and um, Rob because yeah. they're, they're yeah. just they're just adorable 
They're a great couple and great people. I love those guys. I really need to watch his um, Apple TV oh, show. Oh, same, actually. yeah. Something. Yeah. I managed to convince. Um, I managed to convince my nana to um, sign up to Apple TV because you know now when you buy a mm-hmm. phone, you get like it free mm-hmm. for a year. I was like, yeah, you should sign up. There's loads of stuff on there. And she was like, like what? And I was like, like the morning show. And she was like, but I already watched like a morning show. I was like. No, but, but yeah, basically I managed to trick my nana into signing up to Apple TV so I can watch Apple TV. Um, so yeah, Days of Thunder, that was like their iconic film together. It's a Tony Scott film. And that was kind of like her breakthrough film as well. Um, but then like the next big film she did was again with Tom Cruise. So I think that was probably getting into that typecast of being Tom Cruise's wife, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, she she was, I think from my understanding, she had done really well in Australia and she was very yeah. loved there. And then she kind of got broken through. But then, yes, she did start. People were like, oh, yeah, it's like Tom Cruise's missus. Um, <laughs> but she was still trying to pick interesting stuff even when she was with Tom Cruise. I mean, she did Eyes Wide Shut with Kubrick, yes. which is, you know, like not, I wouldn't say that's the typical kind of thing that like just a sort of a, uh, someone considers to be like a Hollywood starlet would start off kind of early on in her career okay. doing. I mean, that's oh. a pretty intense we'll, film. We'll come back to Eyes Wide Shut, but we can talk about Far and Away because you've seen Far and Away, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. It, again, I, I've mentioned this before we uh, started recording, but I was like, I definitely watched it to make fun of it. Um, I don't... So they have, do they have Irish accents in this film? They both have Irish accents. Uh, it's known for being like that film where it's just they've both got very bad Irish accents. It's uh, it's something. <laughs> Hollywood loves to do bad Irish accents, but yeah, that's definitely like top or definitely in top ten for Hollywood's worst attempts. Oh, I'm gonna have to YouTube yeah, this. Same. My brain is very curious. There's a clip where it's like Tom Cruise trying to get her to say, and I can't even remember why he's trying to make her say this, but he's like telling her to say that she likes his hat. And that's like one of the first clips that will pop up and you will, yeah, you'll see. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited. I'm I'm so excited to watch this. What I don't get though with bad accents in films is like, there's a casting process. Yeah. So like, you must have heard that bad accent for a long time before you started (laughs) shooting. Yeah. Yeah, Come and you on. have coaches as well, but I think some people just pick it up better than others. And um, I, for some reason, I don't know what it is with 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 Hollywood, but Irish is something they just can't do apparently, unless they are actually no. Irish, and not like Irish like uh, Matthew Good Irish. in Leap Leap <laughs> Leap Year or whatever the fuck it was called. Uh, that I saw that recently because it was a Leap Year this year. It so. was Leap Year. Everyone was watching that film. I love Leap Year. Do you? I'm not seeing that. I'm either. such a cheat. Like I'm just a cheesy bitch, essentially. That's what this is. But I love. <laughs> I love Pierre. I mean, I I was quite. I felt like my ancestors were going to be really mad at me because, despite that terrible accent, him being like Egypt every fucking like yeah. you know, ten yeah. minutes, like I felt like my ancestors would be mad at me because he still looked fine as hell on that. So good. Matthew Good is gorgeous. He is beautiful. We're going to come back to him in Stokar Bidler. Um so then moving on to 1995 she did some two good films this year we got Batman Forever this was actually meant to be called Batman Continues which sounds awful yeah. as a title that's just like they got lazy that's a bad working <laughs> title I'm not sure who came up with that <laughs> 
So Izzy, this was the Batman, um, this was the first Batman film where they fired Tim Burton from being a director mm. and moved into being a producer. Joel Schumacher come along and they kind of recast everything. So Nicole Kidman wasn't actually meant to be in oh. this film. It was meant to be Rennie Russo. Oh, cool. Um, and they kind of threw her out, brought Nicole Kidman in. Um, I think she's great in this film and it's probably nice to see her in something a little bit less serious, a little bit more fun. Um, I feel like the role she played in that film is probably more like to how she is today, do you think? I think so. In the sense... I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's very fun. She can be really fun, actually. Like She does some really yeah. interesting, dark, serious roles, but like she can be really fun and she definitely does... She's got a good affinity for camp. She d- Yes, yeah, she does. She does. She really does. Um, and then we had to die for this is where she won her first golden globe um it was actually meant to be meg ryan in this film a little bit controversial mm. so meg ryan got offered five million dollars and she didn't want to do it so they brought nicole kidman in but she only got paid two million dollars oh. i can't believe i just said the words she only got paid two million dollars but you get yeah. my drift yeah. god how does she survive <laughs> poor thing in this economy <laughs> But I really want to see to die for this. Um, is it Casey Affleck and Joaquin Phoenix? They're really young in this film. I know Joaquin Phoenix is definitely in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, she's like a woman who's like desperate to be a newsreader, I think, and it, she kind it kind of turns to murder or something. So it sounds it kind of sounds a bit like from just reading about it, it kind of reminds me of things like Death Becomes Her. It seems like that kind yes. of that kind of like that sort of fun sort of stick. I bloody love Death Becomes Her. We're going to have to talk about that one down the podcast because that film is just gold quality. Gold quality. It's fantastic. Honestly, that film is... And Meryl... Oh, Meryl Streep. Bruce Willis. I sound like I was singing it. Meryl Streep. You were, yeah. I was like, is this a song? (laughs) It did. There was a little bit of melody behind it, wasn't there? I've not seen it, so I'm going to put it on my list. Yeah, we should add it to this. I do need to see To Die For... um, I remember adding that to my love film queue. That's how far back I'm going now. Oh, I wow. to watch this film. <laughs> There's going to be 16-year-olds thinking, what the fuck is a love yeah. film queue? <laughs> <laughs> it's when I see the day I was thinking about a movie. Um, I was talking about, like, when I used to go in a blockbuster with a friend and they were like, oh. you just aged yourself so badly in that sentence. And I was like, yeah, thanks. Cheers. I thought it too, when we did the cheerleader podcast and we were talking about films from the early mm. noughties, I was like, got that from Blockbuster. Got that from Blockbuster. Yeah. Got that from Blockbuster. It's another time. Because oh, it was the only place you could get those straight to DVD releases yeah. from America. Like, you wouldn't be able to, you know, anywhere else. It's madness. Um. And in 1998, she did Practical Magic. Um, I've always been told to watch this film because it's got Sandy Bullock as well, who I love. Um, But I haven't seen it. And neither of you guys have you, so we're all a little bit bad at this. Do you know what? I think it's always on film four. And I feel like I've skipped past it, so I might actually have to watch it now. Good. I think a lot of this is going to be added to watch this. Oh, completely, yeah. <laughs> uh, funny story though, there's a scene in Practical Magic where both her and Sandra Bullock are drunk, and it's actually real because Kidman bought some dodgy tequila and they drank Amazing. it. Amazing. That is cool. I like oh, her style. I like, I like that she's a tequila person. That makes me very happy. I'm a tequila yes. person. I like tequila people. Sambuca people, you just scare Same. me. You're too full Same. on. Too full on. People who can you... get like blacked out on tequila, not tequila. Uh, Sambuca, <laughs> that is concerning to me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. come on, guys, get a grip. I remember being in a bar once, and a guy bought me a drink, and I think I asked for like 
I think I asked for a vodka Red Bull and he was like, no, no, I'm going to get you a drink. And I thought, okay, well, first of all, this isn't going to go anywhere because that kind of assertiveness does not fly up in here. <laughs> and he got me a Sambuca and lemonade. And I just thought, what on earth? I literally handed the drink back to him and just walked away. Oh, power move. Sorry, I'm, Absolute I, I wish power there was like a screen cap of my face during that when you said <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm so horrified. <laughs> So, 1999, she did Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, this was this is Kubrick's last film, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. yeah. He died shortly after, bless him. Um, again, with Tom Cruise. Um, like you said, it's a very different move for her. It's very... it's dark. This is probably one of the darkest things she's done so far in her career at this point, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. she's done some really, like, quite heavy stuff. Um, Eyes Wide Shut is a really interesting career move for her because... I feel like she got very tired of just being seen as Tom Cruise's wife, which, like, it's so weird to think about that now because I just, we do not view her that way now. But their divorce was such a, you know, like, that was covered in tabloids for, like, for fucking ages. Mm. And it happened shortly after this film because this um, this was the last film she did for about two and a half years because the divorce just took so long. Yeah, and people were very, like, very prying into the whole thing. But yeah, Eyes Wide Shut is a really fascinating film. It's... I still don't know what I think about it, if I'm honest. I do actually really like it. <laughs> Dad, she said... Yeah, because Kubrick is always really interesting to me because I like going back to his stuff because you just get something new from it each time. Um mm. Which I enjoy. Although I will just say this. Don't watch The Shining on edibles. It's a mistake. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did that not long ago and I regret every moment of it. It was horrifying. Please don't do it. That's a PSA. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, I thought that's really interesting. I felt like this was her trying to break out of just being typecast or seen as Tom Cruise's wife. And I feel like... Or as the girlfriend. Yeah. And and it's it's quite racy, but it doesn't... It's not like one of those roles where it feels about, you know, about like, this is how much sex appeal she's got. It's, It's interesting work and it shows early on that she really liked picking up interesting like challenging roles and like thinking outside the box a bit for like a very big hollywood star it's so weird looking at pictures of her and tom cruise together because they just don't seem like they look like co-stars like they're at an event and they have to promote this film together but when you actually <laughs> yeah. went home and had a life together it's just mm. it is so weird it's like when you look at pictures of like scarlett johansson and ryan reynolds and think that they were married at one point Oh god, of course they were. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, um, or like some other couples that you just, or like em- Emily Blunt and Michael. Oh Uble. god, yeah, that that's. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, really, I remember when everyone hated yeah. him because they thought he like cheated on her, <laughs> and oh, everyone god. was just kind of like, "We hate Michael Bublé now." Absolutely. <laughs> um, I hate Michael Bublé. Yeah, it's just a. Str- it's a. Um, it's it's a strange film. I w- I like it. In the sense that I think visually it's really great and I love the costumes and I love all of the set design. I think it's a gorgeous, it's a typical Kubrick film, full of dark colours, deep rich colours and just a really enchanting kind of film. Um, but yeah, I did get to the end of it and think, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and I don't really understand. <laughs> I don't fully understand either, but I, I kind of like that. I like watching movies where I don't actually yeah. really know what the hell's going on half the time. Conversation pieces, it gets you talking. Yeah. Her hair is excellent in that movie, and she does look gorgeous as well. On a very like shallow side note. 
but yeah, the production process of that film was really long because Kubrick just kept editing it and editing it and rechanging it and rechanging it. And um, they were living in London at the time. And I'm not saying that Eyes Wide Shut contributed towards the divorce. I'm just saying it probably didn't help. I mean, Kubrick was known to be such a perfectionist, so I, I can't be surprised if that was what happened. Yeah, some tensions kind of going on. Yeah. Did it, at the time, didn't it kind of get, like, kind of a mixed reception? Or am I making that up? I feel like it... It did, it did. But I think that was just because um, he died before the film was released as well. So I think there was a lot of, like, hype around it. And obviously, like, people... They want a legacy, don't they? A lot of people want legacies. It's weird to think that, like, filmmakers that we know now, they might have a last film one mm. day. I don't want to think about no, that. Definitely. <laughs> like, oh. it, it, it's scary, yeah. doesn't it? You think, take it for granted. Kind of. It's like with actors. It's just a strange... Like when Anton Yelkin died, you kind of looked at his like, filmography mm. and you just thought, oh my God, we're not going to get any more. It's just, yeah. It's yeah, just and Anton mm. was someone who mm. should be alive and happy and um, he should be one of the sort of brightest stars in the film industry still. Mm. I mean, he still kind of... He still feels that way to me. I mean, like, for me, that was the worst death in 2016 in terms of just very big, like, celebrities. I generally, and I'll say this, because, like, obviously, whenever someone dies, it's very sad. That is the, probably the only celebrity that when they have died, I have generally cried. Mm. No, like, same. Felt quite, same. Like, I think I had that for Heath Ledger as well when I was in school. Oh, same. <laughs> and I walked in and no one knew who he was. I'm like, who's that? I'm like, you guys. Yeah. And my friend, she was like, you're only upset because of the Batman film. Like, no. <gasps> no. <laughs> Ten things I hate about you. Thank you very much. I didn't talk to her ever again. Lauren. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we had a little bit of a break after that. And she comes back in 2001 and she does Moulin Rouge, which is probably one of her most iconic mm. roles. Would you yes, agree? Yes, definitely. I think so. That's, but I think that's great for her to kind of come back from a divorce and then just do this incredible yeah. film. I think it's fantastic. And this was her first Oscar nomination for Best Actress. She's still not won at this point, I'm just going to add. Courtney Love was actually in the running for that role for a while. Interesting. Could you imagine? Was that during the period when she was dating Edward Norton still, or was that a different point in time? <laughs> oh my God, when was that was a thing? Yeah, when? that might have been the 90s, though. Couple. Amazing. Another strange couple. Yeah. Or like Keanu Reeves and Sophia Coppola. Oh, yeah. I forgot about I that. Didn't, I didn't know that was a thing either. Yeah. Oh, what was another one I saw the other day? Sandra An- Bullock and Ryan Gosling. Potentially Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. Oh, God in heaven. Hallowed be that. No. I, I just want to sidetrack to Ben Affleck. Right because <laughs> I see, I've seen a lot of jokes about him. And I think that it is great that he is battling alcoholism. And it's mm. something that a lot of people joke about and don't take seriously. And I think he... You know, he was on this career path where he was about to do a film he really wanted to do. He was about to do The Batman. He was going to direct it. He was going to star in it. It was really all for that project. And it's really sad that he kind of had to step away from that. I don't know if he actually stepped away. I think he might have got fired. It is sad that he kind of stepped away from that. And I think for a little while with, like, Argo and The Accountant, he had a little bit of a role going, didn't mm. he, with projects. Yeah. So I do really feel for him. And, like, he, like, he's come out in interviews recently and said, like, he really regrets his divorce and, you know, probably his back tattoo. Uh, he should um, regret the back tattoo. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> oh, God, in heaven. <laughs> but um, I do feel for him. But then I think Anna de Armes. What are you doing, girl? <laughs> I just, I think she could, she's she's very young and she could just do better as all. Well. She's very young. 
Yeah, I think that's what it is. I feel I've got to that point now in my life where I'm like, oh, she's too young for you. Being like a concerning man and not like a bitchy man. I'm like, oh, no, girl, you've got... Go enjoy your life. Don't yeah. be getting involved in Ben Affleck. Yeah, I mean, literally, she's... she's No, honey, no. <laughs> Please don't. Um, protective, protective of her. Because now she's kind of like moving from the genre of being that girl from that film, you know, to actually being Anna Diarmez. And I think with... Like um, the Marilyn Monroe film coming mm. out, James Bond, if it ever comes out, I think we're about to see her really like project herself into the starlight. So yeah, I hope she's just you know just just being cautious. And, and to be honest, you know, to think that like the first thing I ever saw her in was Knock Knock, that Eli Roth film with Keanu oh, Reeves. Oh my god! And I knew her as that girl for so long, and I feel a bit bad now because I'm like, you're actually pretty good, but sorry. Yeah. <laughs> She was actually, um, I actually remember seeing, what's that film? Is it War Dogs? She was Miles Teller's wife in that one. Yes, she? I think so. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the only other things I've seen her in. Obviously, Knives Out kind of thing. Um, but yes, Moulin Rouge. Now, I haven't seen this film. As I said to you guys, I don't know why. I've got no reason to not have seen it. I just haven't got around to seeing it. When I went to Paris, my friends they were like, we have to see Moulin Rouge. And I was like, I don't really care. <laughs> um... So tell us why you love this film. Or like this film. Sorry, that was quite presumptuous. <laughs> so I don't know if I do like this film. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, just because... So, I mean... I just... I don't really like Baz Luhrmann as a director. It's so, like, I can appreciate his I. work. Like, production value. And it's all very glitzy. And there's a lot of, like, thought that goes behind it. But I just don't like them. And I think I only watched this film because it was like Moulin Rouge. I'm like, okay, I need to watch Moulin Rouge. Um, she was great in it, though. Yes, I, I get that. I think Buzz Lerman's someone who... It is a bit like a marmate. Mar- 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 marmate. Marmate. <laughs> marmate. Wow. <laughs> marmate. <laughs> He's a bit of a mom. Marmite. There you go. Uh, marmite director. Just because I, I know some people who get really won over by his sort of style and flair. And sometimes I do a little bit. But I also get like there's lots of moments of his films where it's just like calm down Chrysler. Yeah. It's just a yeah. lot going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is coming from someone who is, like, raised on Indian cinema. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, like, yeah, you, you would know, man. Quick uh, trivia for you guys. Mm-hmm. How many films has Baz Luhrmann directed? Oh. Um, um, I don't even know if I could guess. It's much less than I thought it was. I'm going to go... I mean, I've only seen three, so I'm going to go with... Three. I'm gonna go with four. Let's be safe. I'm gonna go. With I'm four. gonna go with five because I I feel like I'm missing a few though. It's six. I thought. Huh. Sorry. No. 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 Sorry. It's five, and oh. the, the other one hasn't come out yet. Um. It's five. I thought that he directed loads of films. I mean, with the budget he works with, he probably can't get financing. <laughs> so you had Strictly Ballroom in '92, Romeo and Juliet in '96, Moulin Rouge in 2001, Australia in 2008. Grey Gatsby in 2013, and we have Elvis in 2021. Interesting. Mm. I actually did like Australia. I, I love... Uh, well, that's another yeah. Nicole yeah. Kidman thing as well, but that, that yeah. did not yeah. do well at the time, and I remember that bombing quite badly. Interesting. I remember being in school when that came out, and everyone used to say, like, oh, my God, that film's on for three hours. Like, it's oh, very long, very yeah. long. Um, Strictly Borum's a classic, and I will not hear a bad word about it. Um. <laughs> I've not seen it. <laughs> 
I haven't seen it either. I do want to. There are no new steps. Um, <laughs> that was the worst accent ever. I'm so sorry to anyone who's Australian who's listening. Was, uh, was it Irish? <laughs> <laughs> That's just my, me doing a weird voice. Um, yeah, Julie Bourne is a great film. Mil- Milan Rouge is... I, I actually... It has flaws and it's really silly in points and it's very like I mean it's just it's Baz Luhrmann it's really over the top, but I really mm. I do love it. It's it does get it does get me really emotional. Um, Hugh McGregor as well is like really earnest and wide eyed and like he's just like a really great foil for her. Like she's yeah they, I think they're together. They're a really like romantic couple and I really like that watching that on screen. Um, that was but yeah she's like i think that year she got named like entertainer of the year oh cool I, well that's that's like the first film i remember as a kid thinking oh that's nicole kidman mm. yeah and i think that's one of the first things i remember her from actually when i was younger too because i mean it's pretty hard to miss and i was always i wanted to have that like gorgeous like diamond like corset that she comes in during like her first number yeah on, yeah like, the swing yeah and oh my god yeah. i loved lady marmalade and all the oh my god so good yeah i would not thought about it but actually i agree with you that they make a really good um pair on screen yeah they just you just believe that they're a couple very easily yeah. which i can't really say about her and tom cruise if i'm being totally honest even though they no. literally were a couple um but no and also it showed that she kind of you know she could also like she could sing in addition to mm. act which um I mean, back in classical Hollywood, that was such a necessary thing that you could dance, you could sing and act. And it's kind of cool because it like makes her not like a triple threat exactly. But like, yeah, it definitely added some something to her CV. I think there's some there's like a selection of actors and actresses that you could place them in like a like a classic golden era of Hollywood style and they would survive. And I think Nicole Kidman's definitely one of those, which is lovely. Mm. so moving on to 2002, we had The Others, which was this really weird, scary horror film that we watched in school, and I didn't like it, and I never <laughs> watched it, so I can't say too much on it. Um, but Ella, do you remember yes, it Yes, I well? do. I actually watched it. Um, th- the reason I watched it was not for the Cotton Kidman or because it was a horror, which for me would be very typical. It was because yeah. Um, yeah. Christopher Eccleston was in it, and I basically... It is well documented <laughs> that I have a ginormous crush on Christopher Eccleston, and I literally... <gasps> At yeah. one point, consumed his entire filmography. Well, as much as I possibly could get my hands on. Um, and he plays her her husband in that. And the whole plot of it is that she and her two kids are in this very big, lonely house. Uh, and he's gone off to fight the war, essentially. Um, a lot of people... I'm not that sold on this film. I, I'm not so sure it's my favourite performance of hers either. I think it's all a bit like wide-eyed and a little bit too over the top and hysterical for me but i know some people really love this film and they really defend it so i mean clearly it it definitely worked its magic with others was that a play on the um, title there yeah that was a good play (laughs) i didn't even notice notice. (laughs) but i will take credit yeah Uh, and then later that year, we had The Hours, which is her first Oscar nomination win. Um, the Hours is a... I remember when I was studying film, I watched one of this because we were doing like a women in film kind of segment. Um, and obviously, it's got a great cast in it. The main three being Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman and Julianne Moore. But as a film, I didn't love this film. I'm not too sure why. I just didn't find it as powerful as a lot of people spoke about it to be. Um, Nicole Kidman is great, um, obviously playing Virginia Woolf. Um, what what did you guys think? I've seen it. Um, it's yeah, it's a 
It's a really interesting role. I mean, like, it's her first Oscar win. I think it's her only one as well, if I remember rightly. She didn't win for Lion, as far as I remember. Anyway. No, this is her first and only. It's actually interesting as well, because this is one of the things that she's really tied up with um, Harvey Weinstein and Miramax, because uh, he was actually campaigning quite hard, I think, for Renee Zellweger during this period. Because she did Chicago and she was also nominated for that for a lot of things. And as well as like Cold Mountain, which they both were mm-hmm. in. Um, and I don't yeah. think he was really betting on her to necessarily win either. Um, but she did win. Um, and I think a lot of people, a lot of critics definitely looked at that performance and thought it was a really... They felt like she got very lost in the character and you didn't see Nicole Kidman necessarily. You saw of like Virginia Woolf. Um, although a lot of people, including myself, did get very distracted by the prosthetic nose that she used for oh, Virginia Woolf. Oh, thank God you said... Yeah, no. It's ridiculous! Yeah, I... I That was... I may have to give it a rewatch and see if I feel differently. But yes, the, the nose was honestly so distracting that I found it quite difficult to get really into that performance. I It has moments where I really like it and it's very like quiet and she's obviously it's like a very quiet sort of suffering role but yeah that the nose i'm sorry it's just it was very the thing distract- is, if she hadn't have worn that nose i don't think anyone would have complained like ever and virginia <laughs> wolf's nose wasn't even like it didn't even look like her nose that was the thing if it did it might it was just very distracting <laughs> it was very distracting I, I remember her saying though that it was like her and the costume designer i think it was like a creative choice they made yeah, because she wanted they made it together didn't they yeah and she wanted to get lost in the character and like you got to respect it because it's a risky move and like uh, it well she won an oscar so i guess you could say it paid off but um it's <laughs> it's an odd film it's very like it's quite sad it's quite quiet it's just uh it's an odd one but it was an interesting role for her to pick and it also kind of again showed that she's very beautiful but she's not like committed to selling herself just on looks and sexuality which is also kind of something i like about her even though she is gorgeous hugely hugely um elizabeth de becky played uh, virginia wolf didn't she in the film vita and virginia yes yeah um no prospective nose though <laughs> no <laughs> but yes so she played her in that um but yeah it's i say the, the owls is probably one of her most kind of like iconic films but for me it's just probably not one of my favorites it's a good it's a great performance but it's just not one of my favorites um now a film i haven't seen but it got a lot of traction when it came out that you've seen eleanor is dogville so this is the lars von trier film that came out in 2003 she got a lot of stick for this um tell us a little bit more about this film because i know nothing about it other than that obviously Cool. Um, so Dogville, yeah, it's Lars von Trier. It's, it's very, I mean, like most Lars von Trier films, it's weird. Um, mm-hmm. It's, so the, the entire set is kind of drawn out with chalk and it looks almost like it's filmed in a very black theatre. And it's basically, she's a stranger who comes to this small community and she's very kind and sort of very giving and... Uh, over time the townspeople take advantage of her and it escalates pretty horribly um there's a few scenes of like i think sexual assault or at least it's hinted that um it is quite disturbing i think it's kind of like how like sort of hive mind sort of mentality makes you sort of become very corrupt um this was actually one of the i remember this role for her really like distinctly though because 
Uh, I'm not a Lars von Trier fan. I find him really difficult. Mm. I find him often, I feel like he has not really got a lot to say, but he just says it anyway and at a very loud yeah. fucking volume. Yeah. That's a very same elegant sentence there. I like that. Oh, very elegant. Thank you. He has nothing to say, but he says it as a very loud fucking volume. <laughs> a very loud fucking volume. Um, he, yeah, but actually this is one of the few Lars von Trier films that I actually have time for. I do really like it. I think she's really remarkable in it. She's very, she's very, like, there's a lot of, right repression that goes on. It all just kind of boils over. Um, But it is, it's not an easy watch. It's very hard to watch. Um, It really won't be everyone's cup of tea. Like, honestly, I struggled with it. Uh, It's very odd. It's, I feel like it's a bit, is it kind of almost like Brechtian? I feel like I'm probably not using that right. But yeah, it's really strange. It's it's a very... It sounds like it, it got a lot of controversy controver- controversy when it came out, which was weird because like later that year she did Cold Mountain as well, which I've not seen, but I remember this trailer being everywhere. But Neha, you've seen this. Is it a good film? Is it a love mm-hmm. triangle? Because I know Renelle Zegwiggles in it and Jude Law. Um... It is sort of. I mean, so it's one of those like epic war films, um, and yeah. And as you expect from an epic war film, it's about like Jude Law's journey home because he was a. I think he's a deserter um, from the Confederate Army. I've watched it years ago, so I could be wrong on that. But yeah, so it's essentially him journeying home to reunite with Nicole Kidman's character. So it's just kind of the that that is literally the. So film. who's who's Renee Zellweger then? She plays... Oh, see, I don't remember, because... <laughs> oh, because like, he has a moment with Natalie Portman's character, Natalie Portman's so I think I get them confused. Natalie Portman's oh, in no, it, Philip but um, there's like a whole bunch of... Brendan Gleeson, yeah, Jack White, Kathy Giovanna Baker, Rizzi, yeah, Ray Winston. Lots and lots of people. And it's a real shame. It's a real shame that I don't remember what um, Renee Zell- Zellweger, or who she is in this film, given that this was her first Oscar win. Um... But I watched it so many years ago. But yeah, no, I mean, it was enjoyable from what I remember. And, you know, we love war films, so I definitely recommend it. And it was also by, um, I think, Anthony Minghella made this film. And he's made... Yeah. So you've got, like, The English Patient and Talented Mr. Ripley. So... Mm. Miss Anthony Minghella. He was a great, great director. Yeah. Same. My, actually, my building at my university was named after him. This is Minghella. Yeah. Um, he was a great director. I miss him very much. His son does do some interesting mm. stuff, though, thankfully, too. So we've got some sort of legacy carrying on that way. I, lo- I love yeah. Max Bingella as well. Although I do find his relationship with um, Elle Fanning a little bit questionable, but I'm not going to judge too much on that. How old is Elle Fanning now? I'm sorry, because I can really never keep track. To me, she's always 14, but I know she's not 14. <laughs> um, she's 21 now. Ah, oh, okay. And he's like 34, but no judgment, no judgment, no judgment. Just a little bit of judgment. Um, so we're moving on to 2004, The Stepford Wives. Now, I love The Stepford Wives book. It's one of my favourite books. I think it's such a brilliant commentary on feminism and the control in marriages and just in general, like, femininity in general. It's a great book. And then I also love this film, despite the fact this film has nothing to do with the book. It's um, a loose take on it. This film is so camp. This film is so cheesy. It's very Desperate Housewives-ish. It's got... It's just... It's mad. Um, 
but I love it. And that's probably one of the biggest Nicole Kidman films I had at the time. And I thought she just looked so pretty and she had the hair and she had the clothes and Bette Midler's in it, isn't she? And it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. What do you guys think of this film? Because when I told you I loved it, you both laughed at me. So, full disclosure, um, I never, like, watched it because I thought it was a horror film. Um, it could be, but it like, should be a horror film. The book I fully, is a horror film. I think I, yeah, no, I think I remember seeing, like, posters for the film and stuff being like, definitely horror, staying away from it. So this is news to me that it's not. Well, the original is a complete horror film and to this day yeah. is ah. one of the most disturbing things I've ever watched. <laughs> that's coming from me who puts myself through all sorts of terrible things. Um, it's, very, it's, it's very handmaid's tale-ish. You could definitely... I'd love to remake The Stepford Wives into like a dark, gritty drama series. Ooh, okay. It could potentially... Work, especially modern day now. I think it would work really well, but... Yeah, I'd definitely read the book. I would definitely read the book. It's not that long either. It's teeny tiny. Yeah, I really want to read the book. Um, I So I really love the original Stepford Wives. Um, and that's a really frightening film. And if you are a woman or someone like me who has a uterus, then, like, trust me, it's 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 frightening to watch. Um, <laughs> uh, but, the yeah, the remake Damn. is a very different tone. It's quite a comedy. It's, it like, comedy, yeah. it's very camp. I remember it being very colourful. It, well, yes, yeah, so I, I just always remember the colours. Like, the colours are just everywhere. Yeah, um, so it's a completely di- different direction. Um, I think because I, I'm so attached to the original, I just never enjoyed it. But I remember, well, she fully goes for the whole camp thing. Like, so she is pretty... She's actually kind of one of those actors where I don't feel like I often watch her and kind of go, uh, she's not that committed to this role. I feel like at least she gives, like, 100% whenever she does something. She's I just remember the the poster when she's got like her finger up and she's like shh. Yes. Um, but no, it, that's why I thought it was like a proper horror. It is. I, I like, like slasher. I would like... really watch it. <laughs> I would really watch it. I think it's a great film. And yeah, like I said, just okay. read the book as well. It's great. I definitely you could so remake Hulu. Give me a call. Let's make the Stepford Wives as a TV series. I can see it now. Um. 2006 she did Bewitched she won the Razzie for this because she was um, <laughs> her Will Ferrell one you two have both seen this film I never saw it because even then I thought it looked shit <laughs> yeah. not a good movie <laughs> not a good film at all I didn't think so um, so it's not but cheesy bitch Neha who loves Nora Ephron has like a small soft spot for yeah. it like it's not a good film I wouldn't like recommend it to people like oh definitely go see Bewitched but <laughs> You know how much I like Nora Ephron. 2010, she did Rabbit Hole. I saw, I watched this film randomly. Um, I think I was meant to go out for the night and I didn't. And I put this on Netflix and I was so taken away by this film. It is brilliant. Um, I just find it really, the drama is really great. The whole cast is great. Aaron Eckhart is the first thing I saw Miles Teller in ever. Um, mm. And I thought she really did a great job with this. Um, what did you think about it, Eleanor? Yeah, I, it's, pretty devastating from what it I... It is a very deep film. Neha, you'd love this film. Oh, yeah? yeah it's very dark Because it's deep and, and devastating? <laughs> a bit like yourself. It's nice. It's devastating. Um, it's exactly me. It's, it's about the... Okay. It's about the aftermath of... Um, I can't remember how much to say without giving things away because I know it's one of those films where it really unravels things very slowly. 
Um, okay. So I'm not going to say too much about it, but the performance from Nicole Kidman and Aaron Eckhart is amazing, and the kind of relationship between Nicole Kidman and Miles Teller, which isn't romantic, by the way, is really mm-hmm. powerful. And I just, I just thought okay. I'd clarify. But it, <laughs> yeah, sorry, it really I'm does put things in perspective about um, terrible accidents. That's that's what I will say. Okay. Oh, that's what I will say. Um, 2011, she had she did just go with it. Now, this is the Adam Sandler film. Now, I feel like now when I say Adam Sandler film, it's a completely different perspective. Yeah. As when I it's a whole new world. <laughs> it's a whole new world now. Um, but Just Go With It is a very cheesy rom-com with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. And Nicole Kidman turns up in, like, the second to third act as Jennifer Aniston's, like, arch nemesis from high school. And it's such hmm. a non-Nicole Kidman role. She's cheesy, she's camp, she's exuberant. It's hilarious. And I just could not believe that she'd done this film because it's just not a Nicole Kidman film. Um, so I had hmm. to mention it in this podcast because I just thought she was fantastic in it. Um, even, even though she's barely in it. If you Google it, just how she even looks, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know what, why she agreed to it, but I'm glad that she did. Did, did she Did she owe Adam Sandler a favour or something? Maybe. Something must have happened because it just does not make sense to me. Maybe it was one she of those things. She needed her gems cut. Maybe she needed. Maybe she just needed like a paycheck. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I think the film is set in Bora Bora or something like that. So maybe she just thought, "Hey, it's a holiday." Yeah, no a holiday. Oh yeah. yeah, you know, there's actors who just fully take the paycheck because they get to go to some great destination while they're filming. Yeah, it's, probably, it's, it's probably why Emma Stone played that Hawaiian person in that film. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh god! Half Chinese yeah. was she, or half? No, it was half Korean or half Vietnamese. Though she wasn't half Chinese or something. Anyway, half Korean. <sighs> it was something. She was half. She was half Hawaiian and half something something. Fucking hell! Jesus. My other favorite That's Asian. All she I is. can say about that. She actually said it, didn't she? At the Golden Globe, someone made fun of her. She said, "I'm sorry," out sorry. loud. Yeah, out I'm, loud. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, she's a quarter Chinese and quarter Hawaiian. Okay. Why would you even put that in the script? Right. Okay, Emma. Why would you even? Well, hold on. So Emma Stone is. No, oh, is, no, like her character. <laughs> just, just checking. I was like, oh god, that's. A, why would you write the story? Emma Stone's character. Diversity in this script. Okay, that white girl make her a quarter Chinese and a quarter Hawaiian. Excellent. We mm-hmm. got it. See what makeup Done. can do. See what makeup Solid. can do. Nailed this. <laughs> um, 2013, we had Stoker. Now, I was so pumped for this film. The trailer looked sick. It looked sexy. It was written by Wentworth Miller. Like, hello. Mm-hmm. He actually used a pseudonym because he wanted his work he did, to like, yeah. live on. I just find that so great about it. I really love this film. It's sexy, it's dark, it's creepy. There's incest, but you're kind of rooting for the incest. It's a very <laughs> trippy time. I don't regret anything. Um, and obviously, Nicole Kidman's in this film. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoy this film. I think Nicole Kidman's great. She plays that kind of mother role where she's kind of like an enemy with her daughter whilst always also at the same time looking out for her best interests while also looking out for her own best interests. She's mm. She really plays this kind of like classic film noir femme fatale vibe. Like I could see Lauren Bacall yeah. playing this role like back in the day. Um, 
I love Stoker. I think everything about it is just so wonderful. It's just chilling, the colouring, the 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 music. It's just, I, I could live in that film if I could. Um, what do you guys think of this? Because you've both seen this film. I know it's not known as like yeah. a Nicole Kidman film. It's pretty much standalone, but obviously it's in her yeah. repertoire, so let's talk about it. Yeah, I feel like given that I've not really seen, like you said, we've not, I've not watched her filmography, it probably is one of, if not, my favorite Nicole role. Mm. Yes, definitely. It's I definitely one of my just, favorites too. Yeah, just because I've not like, I'd never seen. Firstly, I'd never seen anything like this film before. Anyway, nor had I seen her take on a role like this. Um, it's just like you said. It's it, it gives me like, it gives me like vampire vibes. Yeah, I don't it's know whether very like gothic yeah? and vampy. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Gothic. That's the word I should have used. <laughs> But, um, she wears a lot of like black yeah, I lace. I think well, she's amazing. So it's probably giving me that vibe too. Yeah, and I think Wentworth Miller talked about the film having like Hitchcock influences Hitchcock. when he was like writing yeah. it or something. Yeah, 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 which is very cool. Isn't it's very it very much takes the plot from one of his films, and I'm completely drawing oh, cool. a blank. Which oh, I've seen it as well, but I've just. Uh, fully have a blank but yeah it takes it really takes the plot from one of Hitchcock's films and um which is also very like quite weird incestuous vibes from the time as well uh if you see is it the Shadow original of Adele? um Wentworth Miller's got completely so. admitted I know I that he was seen it. I, know I, I think it I mean I, I I could be wrong but I feel like it gives me Shadow of a Doubt vibes yeah that's the one, Shadow of a Doubt, yes. Um, that's Interesting. The one. Yeah, it, that, it's very much takes huh. inspiration huh. from that. So you're right, yeah. It's, um, I think also it's the fact that it's it's directed by Part Time Work, who is, oh. you know, like. Southern Korean legend. director, again, they know their shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Part Time Work is one of my favourite directors. Um, I. He, uh, like, Old Boy is one of my favourite movies. So um, good. Same. Yeah. I saw Stoker actually when it came out and he came and introduced the film, um, which ah. was so exciting. Um, and he's Huge. he's a fascinating director. He's got a kind of like a very otherworldly approach. It kind of also, it's probably not that different from, he also did uh, First with uh, Song Kang-ho, which was the, which is also actually about a priest who gets turned into a vampire. So I kind of know what you oh. mean with the vampiric sort of gothic vibes. I think he's very into that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Nicole in this role is like, it's definitely one of my favourites. It's quite hard to pin down what my actual favourite role of hers is, but this is definitely like up there. It's so dark. She's, she's yeah, and, and what's great about it as well is that mother types in Hollywood can be very like limited mm-hmm. and like they can be very sort of boring roles but I quite like the fact that she's a mother that really has a resentment towards her daughter and she plays that so well and that she's also quite frightened of her daughter too yeah, yeah. There's a definitely there's a, a level of unease between them whenever they're like like even when she's like brushing her hair like you're like does she feel uncomfortable like does she think her daughter's gonna yeah. hurt her and Matthew Good just in between the two of them it's just just when you have a film there's like three main roles it's sometimes hard to kind of get a lot out of it all but they really do complement each other so so well and but yeah the film is I want to I want to rewatch it right now I might actually have to go and watch it I think I will yeah it's very it's very beautiful to look at as well the production design is just gorgeous it's just that all the tones to it is just oh I can talk about it all day 
I have to shout out, um, I believe it's uh, Chan Hoon Chan who did the cinematography for this mm. and mm. he is a master of cinematography. He's done so mm. many brilliant films. He also, I think he was the guy who ended up taking on cinematography for It, did, like the yeah. first one. Did, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Um, and he's, oh, nice. he's awesome. He also, he also did Hotel Artemis, which when I saw it, I thought, um, oh, oh, I yeah. can definitely see the vibes, that dark kind of gritty tones you get um i'd love to know maybe he works with the same color grader as well because i could definitely see the similarities between those films because i saw it when mm. he did the handmaiden as well but um oh god yeah what a, what a film stoker what a film um yes and then she did a few um a few random bits after that she did uh before i go to sleep in 2014 which was the drama with uh colin first i did like this film to be fair i thought it was quite interesting a uh, good nicole kidman role uh, 2014 we had paddington where she played the uh villain which is um an interesting choice for her and then 2016 this is what many people call her resurgence so she did lion um where she's kind of she was intended to be the main character, but I mean, a lot of people look at that film and it's Dev Patel, isn't it? It's Dev Patel's film. Yeah. Um, but she plays a great role within Ryan, and I think it's um, it's nice to kind of see again a mother. She's really great at these mother relationships. It's really it's funny yeah, how we go from is. this like being like a sexy Tom Cruise's girlfriend to Moulin Rouge to to the hours, and then she kind of does like a flip ten years later where she's playing these mother roles. But they're gritty and they're interesting and they're not just, you know, mm. typical mum roles, kind of say. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, 2017, we have Big Little Lies, which is just huge. It's done so many things for her, for Reese Witherspoon, for Shailene Woodley, for um, Zoe Kravitz, um, well, everyone. Um, and I think with Big... So this is kind of like when big movie stars do TV shows... Mm. People pay attention, don't they? Because they're like, yeah, I'm going to sure. watch that because it's got so-and-so in it rather than I'm going to watch that because the storyline looks good or things like that. What is it about her role in Big Little Lies that you think has caused her to win all of these awards and to kind of get this recognition? Like, What is she doing differently to what other TV actresses are doing? I think for me... Um, so what I really appreciate about the way Nicole plays that role is that just the sheer vulnerability like she's not like it's hot like some of her scenes with um oh god what's his name alexander sarsgaard yeah. are disturbing to watch like They're i like horrendous. i i like there were times when i was like oh can i fast forward it just because it's so i can't imagine how draining that must be to film yeah um so i think for me it was just that it was just that kind of like very she was so committed to that role and and playing this character to what is I think the best of her ability that I think really oh she's just so good I think it's a really hard storyline to tackle because I mean uh you know people have definitely tried to do abusive relationships and like mm. sexual violence in relationships and it's also that the the relationship is not so clear-cut as you know he beats her and she's just the victim she also acknowledges when she does her like therapy scenes that she's also like she kind of uh thrives on it a bit and this is all kind of she knows and you see it in the second season as well like after the whole fallout like she doesn't quite know how to function except in kind of like a sort of quite violent relationship um and i think she just struck that 
balanced like beautifully she didn't fall into like cliche i think she just mm. it felt very honest it wasn't um, gimmicky, if it's I'm, gimmicky it's all with no it. yeah Tangle, and i think if i'm honest uh big little lies for me is a bit of a funny program sometimes i think it gets it really right and it it's excellent for like drama but it also has very odd sort of pairings in it and like some storylines that i don't know quite what they're going for with the tone but that was decidedly like one of the most successful things about it i mean people loved her performance in that and she's just so she's so affecting um it's just really hard to watch it and just not feel like you're watching someone who's actually gone through that it's yeah. it's, it's a really like heartbreaking and moving performance and she's definitely like I think one of the best formed characters in the show, she if is. not the best. She is. I think so, yeah. And definitely. it's not one dimensional as well. You see the sides to her character where she does have doubts about leaving her husband and she does admit that she gets a little bit of a thrill out of the violence and she chases it at mm. times. And I think to kind of open that up so it's not just one dimensional as this person hurts me, I'm going to leave them. It's this person hurts me, but he's a good father. And he's nice sometimes because they are realistic thoughts and feelings in a violent relationship. And I think that's probably why it's been done so well, because it's probably one of the most realistic depictions that I've seen in television or film, really. It's not one dimensional. I mean, you think about things like sleeping with the enemy when Julia Roberts just runs away. Unfortunately, in real life, that's not totally realistic for everybody. You can't just mm. move away to a to a new thing, especially with children involved as well. And again, going back to the yeah. whole mother thing, when she this particularly the second season, I think we definitely see a side to her mothering that is mm. questionable but understandable. <laughs> yeah, super nuanced. nuanced. Um, yeah, nuance is a good um, way of putting it. Actually, hugely. <laughs> I mean, two thousand seventy was a huge year for her. She did Top of the Lake, China Girl. Um, not an incredible role, to be honest. I was kind of expecting more from it, but she also did The Killing of a Sacred Deer, um, which was a tough, tough role and tough film. Like, she's picking great top... Like you said earlier now, like, she's picking mm. great projects here. They're definitely challenging. They're definitely darker. They're not... They're not the... You know, they're not Bewitched and they're not Stepford Wives. They're very different as to what they were like 10 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Um and the beguiled as well with Sophia Coppola. I was so so excited um, when they announced her casting. And again, a mothering role. She just seems to play mother so well. She must be like yeah. queen of the mothers. Are you getting that kind of like message? Yeah. I certainly am going through all of this. I love that she plays like that. She that there's no sort of like that idea of a mother that they're all really distinct. I think that's a really cool. Yeah, man, we could do true. an whole episode about mothers. I mean, as well, like she's with uh, with killing a sacred deer. I feel like that was also challenging in a way because um, you had uh, Yorgos Lanthanamos who has a really particular way of directing his actors, and there's a very um, like he it's very stoic kind of performances that he demands. Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, and he like that's a lot to demand from certain actors and I think also it's a good role for her because it shows like kind of um how multifaceted she is because it's very stoic but it's not without emotion or not without any uh depth it is like a it's not a surface level kind of like we're gonna act very kind of quiet and blank she got kind of a bit like with Stoker like she kind of pulls off that eeriness where when she's being quiet or where she's not really reacting instead of thinking well what is she doing what is she thinking you're thinking 
what is she going to do? What is she going to think? Kind of thing. Um, yeah, so exactly. I think that's a really I, great I'm, pairing with them too. Yeah, and you. And she was. I really liked her alongside Colin Farrell because I can't remember if they've done much. Well, they did the Begard together. Um, I like her. I didn't even realize they did that back to back. Yeah. Um, I think oh, her and Colin yeah. Farrell have got like really good chemistry on screen, and like I, I'll be definitely down if they ever do stuff again. Um, they they're like they're just they're great to watch together on screen. But it's also such different roles because the beguiled, you know, he's like a sort of nasty but very charming man, yeah, and like all yeah. the women in that house are just desperate to kind of have his attention and hold it. And you watch something like Killing of a Sacred Deer, where like they're married and they're kind of in an established relationship but like she also um a secret there's something of a bit of a weird there's something very off and kind of a bit of a distance about that relationship and i don't want to spoil the film but like you know as it goes on then she also tries to get his attention in different ways it's a very uncomfortable film yes i do love it because it's just great and also you know art house farrell gotta gotta love it i've just realized as well that the kid from mid 90s is in sacred uh, killing of a sacred deer Yes, he's great. I really like that kid. He's really he's impressive. Fantastic. I still need to get around to seeing mid nineties now that it's on Netflix as well. Yes, great work. Is yeah, it? It's yeah. Netflix, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> it's been on my list to watch for ages. It's fab. I really liked it. I really love it. We won't digress too much, but again, Jonah Hill, you're doing a great job, man. Carry on. Leave the acting for Beanie. We've got this now. Um and then two thousand eighteen, bit of a difference. We had Destroyer, which was the um Karen Kusama film. Absolutely love this film. Again, dark, different, mothering role, just showing her acting chops. And then you've got Aquaman. Now, when this was announced, I did think, hmm, why is she doing that? <laughs> A little bit like we just go with it. <laughs> is everything okay, Nicole? <laughs> like, it's the do you know what's funny though? She was freaking amazing in this film. She was emotional. The relationship, because she plays Aquaman's mum, the relationship between her and Aquaman's dad, he does have a name. Um, it was so intense. Honestly, I like forget about Amber Heard and Jason Momoa. Like, yeah, okay, they're good together. But that was the main relationship, the main heartbreak that I was focusing on. And she was amazing, like freaking rolling around and waving her triton everywhere and she looked amazing. I, um, I'm I'm just trying to picture her as Jason Jason Momoa's mum, and it's making mom, me laugh. Yes, it's a really hard thing yes, to picture. Yes. Like if you haven't it's, seen that film, just yeah, just like I said, just different. But she's she's one of these actresses that I don't think we can expect what she's going to do next. I mean, just looking over the past ten years to go from like Rabbit Hole to just go with it to Stoker to Paddington to Big Little Lies mm. to The Killer of Zagreer to Aquaman like it's very Versatile. I think she just has fun though doesn't she she probably just thinks yeah you know yeah. what I'm gonna do this this year why not I think she's yeah I like I love actors who keep you on your toes and like yeah uh, that's what mm. I respect about her she's also she's also navigating Hollywood as someone who is like 52 years old um and obviously you know as it goes on for like as you get older as a female like as an actress in the industry like it gets so much harder to pin down like good interesting roles because even with all the sort of breaks you've made so far like you know it's ageism is so rife and usually and we i mean we just seen her do bombshell as well which was oscar nominated um i didn't get around to seeing that just because i i just didn't get around to it i think i was a bit (laughs) 
a bit iffy about kind of the mess. You know, it's so funny though, is that we were not against this film. Same. But we were so like, oh, I don't know about this film, the characters. And then yeah. I watched it and I was blown away. I was is, blown how, away. How was she actually, in that role? I don't, I don't know. I've got a feeling there was like some conspiracy to try and turn women against it. But I really enjoyed it. I really thought it was very interesting. That's good. I think the controversy for the film was that it was obviously like it was about the Me Too movement, so it was commenting on something really important. But because they'd done the whole kind of like Roger Roger Ailey's Fox News angle, and obviously Fox News notoriously being terrible in general, but also really terrible to yeah. women. So I think that's where the controversy was. At least that was the issue that, for me. Yeah, same with well, me. I'm not we, saying we that obviously like yeah. You said, oh, I don't know. Yeah. If watch that film because. You know, it's about Fox News and Fox News having it great. But I think it was the difference of, mm. it, I don't know, it's it's difficult to explain that you had these women that, yeah, they hadn't been completely yeah. innocent in their careers, but what happened to them was incredibly terrible. And the fact they kind of bonded yeah. together. I mean, I know the character of Margot Robbie wasn't real. It was kind of like an amalgamation of a few characters. But, yeah, I thought it was a really great film. And, again, a great project for her to choose, a really great project. Mm. I'm I'm excited always to sort of see what she does next. I I think she's going to like be working for the next few decades to come. I can't really see a world where she's not going to be around, to be honest, or a big part no, of the film no. industry. I do get excited when I see she gets cast in things because she just picks some such mm, unusual mm. stuff. Um, I feel like I have to mention like a really strange role for her, which is a film that gets overlooked quite a bit. She did oh, um she did um the film Birth, which is by Jonathan Glazer, who I think he's only done about three or so films, which includes okay. Sexy Beast and Under the Skin. Yes. Um Birth is about a woman that so this is very like I you could see how this be controversial, how this maybe wouldn't get like huge boss box office numbers, but Birth is about <laughs> a woman who has lost her husband and I think she's set to remarry and she basically meets this like i think he's about 10 or so kid uh this 10 year old kid who basically claims that he's her late husband sean and that he has like been reincarnated and has come back and he doesn't want her to get married again um and so it's bizarre because it sounds like a very bizarre plot also you can imagine sort of like the minefield and sort of today's industry mm. of like a child actor basically pretending to be an adult Bloody man hell yeah um but yeah it's that's like one of her roles which is again really odd choice like i don't i don't think it was a huge movie i'm not so sure if it's independent but it wouldn't surprise me if it was but yeah, that was another choice <laughs> where very risky kind of role, but that's really affecting and really emotional and like a very good role for her. But again, because of the subject of the film, I think a lot of people didn't really want to go near it, which I can understand because it's quite, uh, you hear it and you're like, oh, oh, how are we going to navigate that? It's, um, I think with her performances, you definitely, they leave a mark on you, I'd say. And you definitely remember when you've watched a Nicole Kidman film. But, like, as you said, like, women over 50, we'll have to do a podcast episode on this as well because people talk about Meryl Streep an awful lot. But people like Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, Julianne Moore, Sandra Bullock, who have been working consistently for the past 20 or so years, they're still getting roles now where they're playing people like... Just looking at her recent roles, she's not always playing the mother 
but she's playing interesting mothers and there's roles out there that you can be a mother and still have a lot going on with you it's like that age-old argument about the strong female character they don't Mm. always have to be in a young adult book like they're everywhere so i think she's definitely she's definitely challenging stereotypes i love her partnership with reese witherspoon i think they're a dynamic duo i really do yes for sure not only that her work with female directors she's doing way better than probably anyone else i mean just in the past aquaman no aquaman wasn't a female director destroyer female director beguiled female director top of the lake big little lies okay it kind of stops there but (laughs) still that's more than Nora nora efron you know there's there's still more than others going on um which i think is really impressive exciting yeah for sure yeah i mean i respect that you gotta yeah you can't like just i mean there was that whole thing about recently you know like natalie portman going to the oscars wearing that cape where it had um female directors like embroidered in it but then like she has a production company and Mm -hmm. uh i think including herself she's basically like worked with like you know like barely any if none like female directors so you've got to you've got to be committed that really poor as well yeah, I didn't see the response because I was so pissed off. Yeah, I didn't off. even hear what it. Did she what, what did she say? Now the important response to not working with women. I will keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Natalie. Um, oh, that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> that's she... really helpful. So, but Rose. That's going to be my response to everything Rose, now. Rose, I'll Rose keep McGowan trying. actually called her out, and I, Rose McGowan, there's a lot of uh, controversy in the media her, with her as well. Mm. Um, she said, It is true, I've only made a few films with women in my long career. I've only gotten the chance to work with female directors a few times. She then goes on to list them. Um, I've had experience, I have had the experience a few times of helping get female directors hired on projects, which they were then forced out of because of the conditions they faced at work. Most famously, probably Patty Jenkins and Thor. Yeah. Um, dun, dun, dun. So I want to say I have tried and I will keep trying. While I have not yet been successful, I'm hoping that we are stepping into a new day. Do you know what? When she uses that production company to actually finance a well, project... this is the thing. When you have a f- production company, you have to take a little bit more responsibility than simply saying, I haven't been cast in the roles. Yeah. So I completely agreed with you. And I've always... I mean, I've always said to you, I hate this kind of fashion... Mm. Um, mm. What do you call it? Protesting. Yeah. It means fucking nothing. I mean, what did I say was a really good stand? I can't remember now. Um... I think it was, was it, there was an award season where um, I think everyone wore black and I think that was the Me Too, Harvey Weinstein Yeah, and then there was roses at the Grammys. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just think it's, no, it's crap. I'm sorry, it's absolute crap. You do have the power. Club together, don't go. Just say, okay, for one year, no one is working. Yes, there will be other women that do want to work, but they're going to be pissed off if, like, all the big names stop, you know, pull out of Mm -hmm. projects. You know, mm-hmm. I so. think it's I think as well of Hollywood, it's just like such a perfect embodiment of how often the political statements are just extremely surface level, and they really don't a, yeah, actually go beyond that. Like you don't see action. Yeah. You don't actually see policy be put in place. You don't see different working standards. Like yeah, it's I find that sort of thing very boring, um, and I have no time for yeah. it either. Yeah. Nicole Kidman said that she pledges to work with a female director at least once every 18 months as part of a wider effort to increase the number of women female in Hollywood. That is action. 
her, Francis McDormand, yeah. Michael B. Jordan. These people are taking action with this. They're not just saying it. They're yeah. not just liking it. It's like when people sign this sign this petition. The petition's not going to do anything about female directors. We don't yeah. need initiatives. We don't need this. We have female directors. We don't need to find more female directors. They're here. You need to hire them. It's like literally walking into a room full of people that can paint your ceiling and going, oh, I can't find anyone to paint my ceiling. And they're like, we're right here. Mm. No, no, I, just, I can't find anyone. I can't find anyone. It's yeah. A little bit of a stupid analogy there. I don't know why I said paint your ceiling. But <laughs> you can tell I'm tired and it's time no, to call it, it a sense. day. <laughs> um but yeah that is that is nicole kidman um i think she's doing incredible work upcoming things she's got Mm. going on it's a film called the prom with the ryan murphy one it is the ryan murphy one it is the american musical comedy film it's going to be on netflix you've got meryl streep james corden uh keegan michael key andrew reynolds it looks really exciting ryan murphy's just killing it killing it it's Scary. Yeah. I'm just going to ignore the James Corden bit and then I'll probably oh, get past it. Same, same, uh, same. Robert Eggers, obviously, from uh, The Witch and The Lighthouse. Uh, she's doing his next film, The Northman, which is a historical film. Oh, cool. And she's reuniting with Alexander Skarsgård on this project, which is oh, really exciting. Oh, amazing. Uh, Bill Skarsgård's also in it, along with Annie Taylor Joy, Willem Dafoe. Um, so Courtney's <gasps> going to be <Courtney>. very pleased. <laughs> Um, so yeah that's going on and then she's also got a tv show called the undoing which is a drama mini series on hbo directed by suzanne Bayer, female director so i look forward to that again but that's the thing exciting projects coming up as well like her career just seems to be ever growing it's exciting yeah she's cool Um, Yes, that's the end of the show. Like we said, we're we're keeping positive during this time. We're keeping um, motivated. We're going to be sharing some content on social media over the next few days about ways to keep you not distracted, but just kind of uplifted in this time. And I just want to say there's many scary things happening in the world but one of the greatest things that can bring people together is art and is creativity and even if you're just scribbling away in a notebook ideas or just a list of things you want to do there's always something you can do um to create something in this time i know neha's got a diary called the quarantine (laughs) it's called the quarantine yes it's um so i was i should should i share a line from it oh my gosh should i share a line yeah, so the thing the thing is is that I was supposed to be writing it in my own voice, except I sound like one of the one of the Bennett sisters. <laughs> <Sorry>. Um <laughs> like complete like completely unintentionally. It was the first of Father it was so down. bad. No, so I'm I'm talking. So basically, I have a rule where I'm trying not to have more than one Earl Grey tea a day because I have to like ration my supplies. So I say, <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, I can't say this seriously. Got, you have this, to. Is, this is some first world so, struggle. <laughs> right. So the line says, if the extent of my woes is sadness at the one tea a day rule I imposed upon myself to ration Earl Grey, I should be grateful. Do I speak like that? No, you do not speak like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who is this? But yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Ten ten recommend. It's universally acknowledged that I only have can one Earl Grey a day. <laughs> can you please do an audiobook? Because I need to hear that in that accent every Happily. day. Happily. Happily. Honorary Bennett sister. It was the best sister. of times. It was the worst <laughs> of times. 
There was Earl Grey. There was not Earl Grey. Literally. I did look at the big literally. batch of Yorkshire tea bags in the office today yeah. and think, hmm. But I didn't because I'm not that kind of person. And I am hopeful that we will come out of this together um you know, if we have each other, that's all that matters. And thankfully, we do. most of us in the creative sp- sphere of the world, all of our friendships are online anyway. So it's not really much different to not leaving the house or things like that. But yes, we are here if you need us. And we will be sharing lots of p- pizza pieces coming up. And those of you who have sent in films to Women X, Women X will still go on. We are still planning for our October event. Uh, if it has to be postponed, it will be postponed, but we will have that event, whether it be online, a physical experience, whether we'll all be in bubble wrap and walking around in balloons, we will have Women X. Your films are safe with us and we are dedicated to highlighting films by female directors, female identified and non-binary directors. So we're very excited about this project and it's still going ahead, rest assured. Even if everything else is being cancelled. <laughs> I'll make sure to have my hazmat suit ready. Yes. It's gonna. We're gonna get branded Yay. ones. They're gonna be pink. They're gonna have the logo on them. It's gonna look amazing. We're gonna be cute. Cute. We will have Earl Grey tea. Earl Grey tea. Oh <laughs> gosh, it's exciting. Yes, it's exciting to think about the future. Think all this nastiness and you know horrible things going on right now. It's nice to think that there is a kind of space of God. This is what it must be like to be a Catholic again. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond all this world, there is more. <laughs> the Holy Land is waiting for us. And on that note, I think we're going to call it a night. <laughs> yeah. <Good laughs> so thank you so much, guys, for being on the show again. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week because we're still on the show. The podcast never ends. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode. You can help support the show by subscribing to us on whichever podcast platform you're using. That's Cara in the background with her squeaky toy. You can also give the show a like or even leave a review. We're on Twitter at NotHavingItPod and at Rianne Pictures. See you next week.